Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 12, and I'll read through verse 17. I believe that's what it says in your bulletin. Yes, correct in the bulletin. Good. Um, as you're turning there, I forgot one very important announcement, perhaps the biggest announcement of the day. And that is, as soon as the service is over, we always have a fellowship lunch. But today, it being Check Us Out Sunday, we are having a super special fellowship lunch. I believe we're going to be having a burrito bar, nacho bar, and uh, taco bar. So you don't want to miss that. So stick around for a great time of fellowship. It's, it's, it's like a miracle takes place. Service ends, the doors fling open eventually, and little angels from the Lord come on in, rushing in with food and drink and all sorts of stuff. And this place is transformed from a kind of a, a quiet, calm, uh, um, kind of folksy environment that you might describe as a sanctuary to like a very festive, loud, drinks spilled everywhere, but fun, and we have a great time of fellowship. So hopefully that has bought you enough time to get to John chapter 15, and you're there with me at verse 12. The word of Christ from the gospel of John, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and anointed and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Father, we thank you for your holy word. We pray that you would move among us this morning by your Holy Spirit. Minister to our hearts, minister to our minds. And Lord, we pray that you would transform our lives by your grace. We pray all this in the holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, tomorrow, you know what tomorrow is? It's, it, is it is Halloween. Or Reformation Day, if you go that route. Um, I was going to say, in my notes here, it says All Hallows' Eve, which is where we get the, 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 the name Halloween. It's a holy day in the life of the church. As we prepare for All Saints' Day, a celebration of all the saints of God throughout the history of God's saving acts in the world, which then proceed, uh, precedes All Souls' Day, which is another Celebration of all of God's people, um, all who've been made in his image. But today is a different day. It's Check Us Out Sunday. I'm not saying we're a special church, but please do note that we're probably the only one around that celebrates a day called Check Us Out Sunday. I've never heard of it. Not another church has a check us out Sunday. It's kind of on the nose. We invite folks to come and check us out as a church. 
I know of no other. None. Not one. Do you know of a church that has a check us out Sunday? Sure, other churches might have a friend day, but what in the world is a friend day, right? What's that? It's likely you can only find that check us out Sunday here today. You see in your bulletin the title of the sermon, Dearly Beloved. That's a, a phrase you recognize, right? If so, you almost certainly recognize it as sacred language, and you associate it with sacred space, a sanctuary. Maybe not like this one, probably one with aisles, pews, big wooden doors, not big glass and metal doors at the back. The chapel maybe of a funeral home, perhaps even a graveside or maybe a special wedding venue. I did a wedding once in a barn. I kid you not, in a barn. It was a strange space, but it was actually a gorgeous place. Marble floors in a barn, mahogany walls in a barn. It was beautiful in Tennessee. It's quite an amazing barn, but it was a barn, and that's a, kind of a strange place to do a wedding. But that, that space, that special venue was transformed because of the activity that was taking place in it and the people who gathered together in it. And as always, I stepped up before the congregation. The first words that were spoken were, Dearly Beloved. And then, as per usual, I added the next line, also perhaps familiar to you. We are gathered here today. We are gathered here today. Let's think about that for a moment. We are gathered. Subject, verb, right? People doing something and what they are doing. We are gathered. There's an implied sense of both otherness, we, because a we is not an I, and so we together, you and me, there's that otherness. But there's also an implied sense of togetherness in our gathering. We are together. But that's not all. There's also the implication of both place and time. Where are we gathered? Here. When are we gathered? Today. Well, we are gathered here today on Check Us Out Sunday. Place and time always create opportunities, for there are no opportunities apart from the context in which they're found, where and when. What are the contexts in which you've heard those phrases, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Where were you? And when? For what? Weddings and funerals, right? You were celebrating the highest of highs, 
for and with particular people, or you are comforting a particular people in the lowest of their lows. In either situation, perhaps you were one of those particular people. And folks who care about you had gathered with you and around you to celebrate you or to comfort you. These, both weddings and funerals, are markers of life. Each was built toward. They don't just happen in a vacuum. There's a context that leads up to them. And they each will be built upon. There is something beyond them. And if we're being honest, both weddings and funerals can be quite complicated. Filled with drama and the subsequent fallout of that drama. People fight at weddings. And people fight, maybe not at funerals, but around the funerals. As the funeral's being planned, there might be some, some disagreements that get a little heated. Certainly, if there's money involved, there might be fighting. Those, those two huge monumental markers of life, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, they can kind of highlight for us how complicated life can be how difficult it can be because life is not lived alone. At least it ought not be. And people always complicate things. Relationships are always hard. Even the easy ones, there are hard things you go through together. But together, in both of these Markers of life, weddings and funerals. You need someone dearly beloved with you. You need those dearly beloved others with you. Family, friends, but especially friends. Family, family almost, uh, almost has to go through it with you. They almost have to be there. They were born into it, or at least they married into it. But friends, no, they choose to be there. They are there with you in the highs and the lows when they really don't have to be. When perhaps there's something a little bit more comfortable they could be doing, a little bit more interesting they could be doing, something a little bit more fun they could be doing. But you need them. A best man and groomsman, a maid of honor, and bridesmaids. Maybe folks who'll eulogize some pallbearers. And if your name happens to be Paul, of course, the pallbearers also happen to be bearing Paul, literally, right? It is what it is. I don't make this stuff up. But we today find ourselves in a culture experiencing a dearth of friendship. 
most folks you run into, maybe not the people closest to you, but perhaps also them, but most folks you run into lack significant, deep, meaningful friendships. They really do. They most likely have some folks in their lives they consider friends, but significant, deep, meaningful friendships. They're hard to come by, and they're a whole other kind of thing altogether. Our culture is notorious for keeping one another at a distance. We hold our friends at arm's length. Somewhat nearby, close enough to get to if needed, maybe, but also safely enough away so as to not get us too uncomfortable. And so we're plagued with deep and desperate loneliness. Isolation abounds. You see it everywhere you look. We need proximity to others. Physical proximity, but also spiritual proximity. Relational proximity, emotional proximity. A couple of months ago, I overheard an argument in our home. Yeah, there are arguments that happen in the pastor's home. But I was overhearing this argument. Pippin, Bill, insisted, I have more friends than you can count. To which Daisy, Jan, with some characteristic snarkiness replied, Well, I can count all my friends. <laughs> it's interesting how she was able to play on words like that in the moment. We desperately need friends. Often quite a few of them. I mean, in most funerals, you at least have to have six other warm bodies carrying the cold one, right? But especially we need good ones. Not all of them can be super close. Even Jesus had three that were closer than the others. And those others, who we call the twelve, the disciples, there were others beyond them, on the outer rungs of friendship. But we read of people like Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus, who were clearly dear friends of Jesus. Some of our friends should be super close. Close enough that they really see us. We're sure they might be surprised sometimes by us, but they're not often surprised by us because they really know us. We need a friendship or two that's thick and rich like real butter. Good friends can bear you even when you're being unbearable. Good friends can bear you even when life is hard to bear. And we need those kinds of friends. Unfortunately, most folks don't have enough of this in their lives. We have thin, shallow, held at arm's length relationships with folks who, as it turns out, are more like acquaintances than they are friends. But good friends can laugh 
together and deeply. They can laugh together till it hurts. And good friends can also cry together. Again, it might get weird. It might get uncomfortable. But when it hurts, when life hurts, they can even cry together. It's that sharedness of life that characterizes good, true, rich, deep, meaningful friendships. You see, friendship is not a part of life somehow unrelated to the Christian faith. Because truly, the Christian faith speaks into all aspects of life. Our faith has something to do with our relationship with sports just as much as it has to do with our relationship with Bible reading. That's not to diminish Bible reading. That's to elevate all the rest of life. Friendship is part of the created order. The three as one God who made us in His very own image made also friendship. And He made us for friendship. Friendship with Himself, but friendship also with others, with one another. And isn't the context... Again, the place and the time of our gospel reading this morning, fascinating. Jesus is talking all about friendship, right? I call you friends. Here's what it looks like to be friends. Here's the type of love that's characteristic of friendship. Sounds like a kind of a light conversation to be had. But Jesus is in Jerusalem for Passover. For his final Passover. The Passover in which he becomes the Passover lamb that is sacrificed. Just moments before his arrest, Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples. And Jesus already has been betrayed. And not only that, the Gospels tell us he already knows that he's already been betrayed. He knows everything that is happening. He sees how it is playing out. He knows what the next moments hold. Knowing full well that he would in moments be arrested just within the next few hours. And he's spending his last moments before his death with his disciples, with those closest to him. And so these are sacred moments. There's no time to waste words. The words he speaks are going to be sacred words. Of course, every word that Jesus speaks is a sacred word. But these are the last things he wants his disciples to know. And he wants to be abundantly clear with them. And among other things, he talks to them about friendship. 
though you serve me, you are not my servants. You are my friends. You are my dearly beloved. I value you and want a relationship with you, not for efficiency's sake as a servant and a master, not based upon the measure of your effectiveness, not because of what you can do or because of certain competencies, not because of what you have or what you can accomplish or what you can produce, but because of who you are. The Lord Jesus wants us to know that, that friendship is sacred. Friendship, true, meaningful, deep friendship, is a sacred context for our lives. The three as one who created you for friendship wants you, values you, longs for nearness with you. He wants you to know him personally, intimately, deeply. And that happens not just on a personal level, but also in an interpersonal level. It's not just about my friendship with Jesus as though that were a private matter. It's my friendship with Jesus that's woven together with my friendship with his other friends. In the context of others. In the context of friends. Whether you think about it on a regular basis or not, you need some dearly beloved in your life. We all do. And we are all dearly beloved by the one who made us for that. He calls us his friends. But just as he told his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, we are only truly his friends when we are close enough to him that we trust him enough that we obey him. Because friendship is built upon trust. Trust and knowledge. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for each other. We thank you so much for how you have made us, for the fact that you made us to know you and love you, to live in relationship with you. But we thank you that, that even that relationship is not something in isolation. You made us to know and to love one another. You made us to be known and loved by one another. And so, Lord, you know where each and every one of us is in our own lives with regard to this topic. 
you know those of us who fight tooth and nail to keep others at arm's length, to keep folks from getting too close, who try to compartmentalize our lives and protect ourselves from the people who are closest to us. And Lord, you know those of us who perhaps even have a lot of friends, have some deep, meaningful friendships, and yet we keep you at a distance. We hold you at arm's length. Lord, we pray that you would speak into where we are in our lives. Would you speak your words of life? Would you call us friend? And would you give us the grace to trust you and follow you so that where you are, we would be also. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.